0: Dan and I were just talking about, on the, a little while ago, about Bill Robeson, who was a rather difficult man,
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> egocentric, to a fault, All, always wore capes, didn't he wear <laughs> capes? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he could have been the Phantom of the Opera. Yes, that you. kind of thing. <laughs> I think it had red silk lining or something. But uh, I And mean, he wasn't really difficult, but he was... He made himself known. Yes, he was a very commanding presence. Commanding indeed. And he well, he wanted to rewrite every
1: script, I mean, you, you yes. know, the, the original script had no resemblance to the mm-hmm. final product.
0: Right. right. And he did Calling All Cars. Oh, all yes, cars. yes, yes. yeah One of yes. the first uh-huh. things mm-hmm. I remember. And a lot of Big Town. Mm-hmm. As, uh, he did Big Town. Yes, true.
1: And Suspense, he did some Suspense.
2: Robeson attracted talented people into Slaughter's creative process. The going rate in 1958 for a radio script was $450. Lucian Davis would produce scriptwriters like Alan Botzer, Don Clark, Robert Stanley, and Tom Hanley, who also provided editorial supervision. Hanley shared sound duties with Bill James. Gunsmoke director Norman MacDonald remembered their work.
1: It had always been a rule of thumb in radio that there should not be any dead air that people must keep talking well we changed that not because we deliberately set out to change it but just because the people we were working with didn't talk all the time so we had to fill it with sound patterns we had three sound men for the most part Bill James Tom Hanley Ray Kemper who contributed more to the show than anybody could ever imagine for example the boys on their own time realized that we were having trouble with live gunshots. They on a Saturday went out with some equipment of their own and recorded shots on tape with a 45 and with a 38 and with a 32 and I think with a 22. These effects then could be played directly through the line so that it didn't flatten out and become just a, a dull pop.
2: Luke Slaughter would be set in the 1880s around southwest Tombstone, Arizona. The title character was based on John Horton Slaughter, a Civil War cavalryman and Texas ranger, noted as a trail driver, gambler, and cattleman. Slaughter also served as the sheriff of Cochise County in Arizona, and inspired a series on ABC TV that same year. The supporting cast would be filled out by Hollywood Radio's most famous character actors, like Harry Bartell, Lillian Baif, Lawrence Dobkin. Jack Crucian, Junius Matthews, Shirley Mitchell, Jeanette Nolan, Virginia Gregg, Vic Perrin, Parley Bear, Howard McNear, and Sam Edwards. They were like a family. They looked out for each other, including those less fortunate, as Jack Crucian and Shirley Mitchell remembered. Shirley, during the break, we were talking a little bit about when the mishaps would happen or people wouldn't be around,
1: that you always had a backup handy. The actors in the hallways.
0: The actors lined up in the hallways. They were always two or three or four sitting, waiting for something to happen.
1: Either S- that or just coffee class Or time. just,
0: yeah, right, <laughs> visiting with one visiting. another.
1: Telling about what they could have been.
0: Exactly. And, <laughs> and suddenly
1: the big break happens, and they are.
0: Snowing right? each other. I mean, it was heaven what they had done in their past. One, I'll never forget, was Dickie Ryan. Did you oh, know Dickie? God, of course. Sweet darling man. I tell you, he Out of he he came That's out right. of, oh. of did, mm-hmm. a lot of them. And most of them did, a lot of them. But in the early days, he would sit in the lobby at CBS. And, you know, there were several times when he really did get a chance to go in and do something because mm-hmm. an actor didn't show up. So it worked. I mean, it paid off.
1: Well, it was also good because the telephones, which go to your exchange, go to your answering service, <laughs> always <laughs> kept a phone there. That's right. And a lot of actors who didn't work, but who wanted people to think they were working, would run to the phone and pick the phone up and say anything for him, whatever their name was, and then they would say, really? What time? And they'd pull out a piece of paper or a pad and a pen or a pencil and write it down. At what time? Which studio? Oh, okay, I'll be right there.
0: (laughs) so it looked really good. Looked they official. It's the same thing as the people who used to go into the Brown Derby and get themselves Pages, paged in exactly, case there was right. anybody there who didn't know they were still around. Or right? found an old script and or, shoved it right, in their pocket. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Always walked around with a I, in the I pocket. Because I always remember
1: Frank Nelson, he always had four or five scripts sticking out of his pockets. and they You were, knew no, he his was his working. Were, his were legitimate. His were legitimate. Yeah, yeah. Cut three, Luke Slaughter Signature.
2: Jerry Goldsmith, then a CBS staff musician, was tasked with creating the musical score.
1: At four, Luke Slaughter signature, take two. ¶¶
2: The star was a 26-year-old named Sam Buffington. Buffington appeared in at least 39 TV shows and nine movies in less than four years. Luke Slaughter would be his only radio credit.